0: Hello, welcome to BGS English Revision Podcast. I'm Mr Forster and I'm here...
1: With Missy Ammonarchus.
0: ...to discuss Purple Hibiscus. It's that time we've got to it, finally. It's
1: that time. We
0: will be recording more of these, but we thought um, we'd get started with um, uh, an extract from Chapter 14, towards the end of the novel. Um, uh, And we've got an interesting question for you today, so don't forget to go and download the handout, which uh, there's a link to it in the description beneath this episode. So if you go there now and click on it... Have you done that? Good.
1: They
0: have now. Um, uh, make sure it's got all the key vocabulary on it. And it, has, it talks you through the essay structure, through the thesis, through the different parts of our argument and through to our conclusion. And it also has the question. So I'd strongly advise that you use this. Um, you actually plan this question yourself before you listen to us. So I would encourage you now to pause the podcast if you're able to um, read it through, plan what you're going to write and then um, listen to what we have to say and you can compare it. Yeah, with... I
1: think that's just a really useful thing to do because I think one of the things that some people are still finding a little bit tricky is extracting enough useful quotations from across the extract to make sure that they're talking about um, what's going on in the extract and also making links to the rest of the novel. So, yes, do do that first.
0: So, do you want to read the question and then remind yeah. us of where the extract is? Absolutely.
1: And... So, this question is slightly different in form to the kind of classic you know, how does Adichie make this move, striking, powerful, moving, because of where it is. Um, So the question that I have given you here is, how does Adichie create a sense of a significant turning point in this extract? Um, And we'll talk in a little bit um, about why the placing is important, and and, and some stuff about the kind of, um, the way in which Adichie structured the novel, which is important to know um, if you're doing a passage extract. So... um, uh, shall I read the thesis statement or do you yeah. want to read Yeah, I
0: mean, maybe worth, before we do that, just mentioning this is of course the beginning of the Pieces of Gods yes. after Palm Sunday. So one thing that's a challenge with Purple Hibiscus is because it doesn't have chapter numbers, thanks Adichie, um, yeah. uh, it's really important that you know the, the, the names of the different sections of yeah. the novel and you have a sense of the chronology. Obviously the, it's only chapter one really that breaks that linear narrative. Yeah.
1: I think I think to just do yourself a really simple timeline where you have, um, you know, you can see visually um, how the structure of the novel works. So you're secure about that. So when you get your extract, you know roughly um, where it is. So
0: yeah, this is the very beginning of the pieces of gods after Palm Sunday, yeah. the penultimate section of the novel.
1: So it's um, and also as Mr Forster said, um, uh, if you look in the past paper, you'll see for the other. Um, prose text, they do give me chapter numbers, but because I know some of you will have got used to calling them chapters 1 to 17. Technically, they don't have chapters, so you won't have any information. It doesn't actually tell you which section it's from either, so you you do need to be clear about that. But I
0: think the story is clear enough that yes. actually, it's only, it's only chapter 1 that's out of order, yeah. um, and so as long as you know that very clearly. But well,
1: really, all you need to know is that chapter 1 is Palm Sunday, then you have Speaking of Our Spirits, which is the bulk of the novel, which is flashback, effectively. And then you have after Palm Sunday. And then you have after Palm Sunday, and then you just have that little section at the end, which is the present the final chapter and that's
0: really all you need to know yeah great miss okay. the, the thesis yeah, so
1: here's the thesis so this extract is the opening of the pieces of the God section of the novel also su- subtitled after palm sunday it returns us to jar first rebellion where he refuses to take communion and refuses to reply to papa and there are many echoes of that opening chapter in the extract Jaja's Zha refusal to submit to Papa's authority and Omar's newfound confidence are seen as shocking by Cambly, who feels that the home and world that she once knew are now disintegrating around her.
0: So, what I love about that thesis, and um, not just to give ourselves a big pat on the back, is it contextualises... <laughs> well done, Miss Anarchist. Thank you. It contextualises the novel really clearly, which is so important for an extract question, but it also encapsulates some of the main threads that we're going to be exploring in the essay. Um, Jar Jar and Mama's change, the way in which they've, they've shifted around. And actually, that's two of our three sections, really, because we talk yeah. about how in 45 minutes... most people, most average human beings can do about three points, you might be able to do four, well done you Um, but But it's
1: better to have three clear points rather than sometimes people end up with one really long paragraph and and actually something we were saying before um, we started recording which is that it just so happens for this extract that it is three paragraphs long and it also just so happens that each paragraph does focus on something slightly different so I have structured this one chronologically but you wouldn't necessarily always do that but it works for this one so you've got to be a bit flexible in you know depending on what they give you the
0: main thing is you have three discrete sections that analyze three aspects that all yes. engage with the question and enable you to do some beautiful close text analysis
1: so, i'm, I'm going to cover in the whole text so you're not yeah. missing a key moment like
0: the end or whatever it is so we're going you know, start by looking at the pathetic fallacy which is of course um called fallacy because it's not true today is raining and i'm oh pretty in a dark <laughs> mood maybe it is true well, i'm
1: feeling quite Quite today, um, so. so the
0: pathetic fallacy is the weather mirroring or echoing some way the character's emotions. So, can you read your topic sentence for us?
1: Yes. So, in the opening paragraph, the teacher's use of the pathetic fallacy and personification create a sense of chaos and alienation, so that a once familiar landscape is defamiliarized.
0: Lovely word, defamiliarized. One of my faves. What does it mean?
1: It means when something, um, I've got that in the little vocab (laughs) section as well, so you can look it up. So it's basically something ordinary or familiar, but when it's presented to you in a poem or a prose text in a way that suddenly makes it seem odd or strange. So you actually have to stop and think about it, or it shows that something is changing in in your mind or the world around you.
0: I think that's a really interesting idea to set up here, because we're going to look, obviously, at the the weather. We're going to look at that, but what's really going on is the way in which this... Penultimate section of the novel is making us reevaluate. Yes, um, what we've seen so far. And
1: I think that's... if this came up in the exam, I'd be really chuffed because I think it's a it's a gem of an extract because something oh, very is different.
0: Beautiful. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So. Um,
0: well, on the, on the, on the handout, you started with this echo of the opening. Yeah. Because the novel begins, things started to fall apart here, everything came tumbling down. It's, it is yeah. it is very deliberate, isn't it? Yes, Both it of them harkening back, if, if we do yeah. care, to Chinua Achieva's things fall apart.
1: Absolutely, and that's, you know, it's a small point, and you, you might not notice that, and it wouldn't be the end of the world if you didn't, but I think particularly for those people who are aiming at eights or nines, that ability to just pinpoint other sections or other moments in the novel
0: mm. that remind you of the one that you're useful. I think a, ni- really useful. a 90-10 ratio is useful absolutely. to think of. So Most of it's on the yes, extract, absolutely. but little flashes where yeah. you jump off.
1: You really don't want to get sidetracked. If you end up writing two-thirds of your essay on other moments in the novel, then you're going to lose the marks, and then you should do the whole text essay, yeah, although yeah. I think with a novel that's a trickier way. Yeah. Remember also, by the way, that you don't get to take the text into the exam with you for this. Um, just a little reminder. Yeah, so I think so. the key thing with
0: this opening is that it's both the literal and the figurative, isn't it? Because yes. after Palm Sunday, there is a storm. The satellite dish falls off the roof, the frangipani trees are knocked over. Um, but also, figuratively, this is where Papa's patriarchal authority unravels. Yeah. He's challenged by both Mama and also by Jaja, and to a lesser extent Cambly in a, in a different kind it of It also way. kind
1: of closes the gap, doesn't it? Because in speaking with our spirits, we've really been shown how it is, you know, what the household was like and how things began to change when Ifeoma came along and Father Amadi, and so on. And now I think Adichie, by using that echo, is kind of reminding us that we're back where we started. Hmm. Um, so structurally, as
0: I said, this brings us right back to that, to the beginning, the, what's set up in Chapter 1 when Jaja defies his father, doesn't go to Mass, the, um, yep. the missile is thrown that breaks the um, the glass figurines of the ballet dancers and now we have the weather mirroring the, yeah. you know violent tumultuous mood established at the beginning uh, and
1: I think one of the things to notice which is quite interesting as well if you kind of track through that first paragraph what you'll notice is that um, we kind of move from outside to inside mm. so it starts with the wind and the howling the angry rain and the, the howling wind um, and it moves to things that are being uprooted into the outside and then it Moves inside,
0: CC so that's quite up. important,
1: I think, because it just reminds us really of the way in which yeah. kind of outside influences are now affecting the you know the structure in yeah. this house. Which you know we see at the beginning of speaking with our spirits, it feels like nothing's ever going to change in this household. Papa's authority is so firm that nobody's ever going to escape. And
0: yet it does. So I guess if we look yes. at some of the some of the verbs. Yes. The start of, so we've got to how we've got to kind of tumbling, we've got crashing, we've got uprooting. Yeah. What do you make of the connotations of all of these?
1: I think the uprooting one's particularly interesting, actually, because um, it's mentioned again, isn't it, with the Frangipani mm. trees um, there with their kind of roots waving in the air. And obviously, that has connotations to identity, doesn't it? And, and I think it, it shows how Kambili feels that this has been quite a violent process, really, that she's been forced to
0: and also her reevaluate
1: um, her family.
0: And her ambivalence about yes. unlike Because Jaja, so unlike Jada, Jada's response yes. to Papa's patriarchal oppression and abuse is to become an atheist to reject both his father and the Christianity of his father, Campbell's is different. she sees the Virgin Mary in this you know in, in a vision yeah. she doesn 't lose her faith in any way um, she also has complicated feelings about her father. she I, thinks of him right into the final absolutely. chapter
1: absolutely and I think you know that we see that in the third paragraph of this extract, which is that when we when the focus moves away from um, outside and um, Mama, you see that Cam really doesn 't quite know how to navigate this new landscape and she was much more kind of tentative, wasn't she, when she first went to Ithioma's house assault, as well as Jar, Jar kind of went right. It was like he was ready to see another way of living.
0: So I guess where we could go with that with this extract is the way in which the her description of the weather mirrors these wider feelings of dislocation, yes. of loss, of defamiliarisation, that a familiar landscape has been uprooted, turned upside down, inverted, the personification of the wind, the angry rain, the howling wind, Which winds. to her
1: feels very violent, I yeah. think, as well. And there's um, I was going to say, don't forget as well, of course, the weather's a motif throughout the whole novel as well. It's often used, isn't it? We've got the Harmatan winds, we've got all sorts of things going on with the weather.
0: And that would be a lovely thing to kind of break off and bring yeah. in, wouldn't it?
1: And I quite like the, um, the spaceship, the satellite dishes mm. the spaceship. I particularly like the use of, because um, there are quite a lot of um, active, destructive verbs. I think the lounged... Um, is quite interesting there because there's almost this sense that something has taken root in the household that now has the confidence to kind of sit there almost almost like it's kind of being provocative mm. like here I am in a place where I don't really belong and, and what's
0: interesting about the satellite dishes of course this became, was earlier in the novel a symbol of Amaka's Know, dissatisfaction with her cousins. She was jealous they had yes, satellite, yeah, yeah. but they never they were watched never allowed it. To watch. But they never were never allowed to watch it. In the sense, this this facade has been tumbled down. That yeah. this this thing that was a, a that stood between Jaja um, and and um, Campbell and their cousins has tumbled down with them. Um, the last thing, really, I guess, about this is the plants. Because obviously. Another motif mm-hmm. that we'd want to mention, and I said motifs are so important to revise, yeah, we'll, I think we'll definitely. do some bonus bites on some of these motifs, is, uh, is the purple hibiscus of the title that symbolises Ithioma's influence. She gives him the stalk, she gives Jar Jar the stalks yeah, to take. And it
1: takes root, doesn't it? And, and, and cru- replaces the red hibiscus.
0: Yeah. And crucially, unlike, although it's not mentioned in this extract, unlike the other plants in the garden that are uprooted, the purple hibiscus survives, they do take root. There's the sense of something being deeper that lasts in that yeah. Ifyoma's influence, the change she's made to these children. It's just maybe a little point you could make, isn't it? That, yeah. that actually it's the one thing that's not uprooted. Yeah. It's not destroyed. Should we move on to our next yes, point? Yes, I think we should. So um you're gonna move on to talking about Adichie portraying mama in yeah. a different um you say Mama, do you? I say I say said something different his, a, I don't know. I, I don't I know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe that says more about us. Um, <laughs> Mama or Mama um, is a significantly different way to the character we've seen in Speaking of Our Spirits. This is, um, yeah, what's your topic sentence?
1: Yeah, so the topic sentence is during the majority of the novel, um, I can't say it now, she was portrayed, <laughs> as a coward, submissive victim of past violence with little agency or voice. And in this extract, there's a noticeable change in her behaviour. So, I mean, you could argue that if you, read, you know, if you read that paragraph without knowing what happened before, it wouldn't feel as though any of Mama's actions are that transgressive or Mm. provocative but actually in the light of everything that's gone before for her actually they're quite revolutionary aren't they yes the repetition
0: of did not yes. with, what we, with what she does versus what she would yeah. normally do there's a
1: triplet of did nots relating to Mama but actually interestingly later on in the passage it comes up again and again I think she uses six or seven times in total she did not it lower her voice to a whisper
0: to she did not hide the tiny smile she did not sneak Jar Jar's food to his room yeah. wrapped in a cloth uh,
1: and I think, I think that's really interesting because those are all the ways that she would have behaved in the past. I mean, obviously underlying this, which you know once you've read the novel you don't know it first time, is that the reason for this confidence is that she's poison poisoning devil. her part <laughs> secretly. So that... You know, that having read the novel once, we might feel kind of quite uncomfortable about that. Mm. But um, The whispering is interesting, because, of course, that's another really important motif, yeah, that, isn't it? In the that
0: novel. like Camberly, she seems to have gained a voice. Yeah. So that would be a really interesting and easy point to make, is that un- the Achika the, the, the house, the household is defined by silence for most of the novel, but here the whispers are gone. There's a different kind of silence as the final section of yeah. the novel. I mean, it's um, interesting course, that all... she says
1: does not whisper rather than says talks loudly, mm. but, because it's reminding us of how she was before. Um, but
0: um, a really tiny smile. What do you make of that, Mama's yeah, a tiny smile? I mean,
1: I think when we were doing, I did this with um, my year ten class actually, and they said they found that kind of quite sinister because um, it's a sense that she has. She's sort of, she's kind of nurturing the secret, isn't she? And the secret is that she's poisoning Papa.
0: Um, I, I perhaps we could say that. I mean, there is there is a, a thing that's going on te- at a technical level here, which is called cool, it's called something called delayed decoding, isn't it? It's where um, a writer, something on a second reading that's apparent is not apparent on yes. the first. And the first time you read the novel, you, you do not read her tiny smile as being sinister. No. But Certainly, when you go back and think about the tiny smile in the context of someone who has yeah. been putting poison in her husband's tea, there is something, a sinister kind of power in what she's doing here now, that it? It inverts the power dynamics we've previously seen. I mean, seen. You, you
1: could argue, of course, that... that this is the only way that she feels that she can manage the situation because Papa is so powerful and so violent. But um, I think, yes, reading it um, with foreknowledge um, of what happens later in the novel, I think that is slightly kind of unsettling. And it's what gives her the confidence to now um, you know, break the rules of Papa's household.
0: The metaphors because to describe the silence are also interesting because the silence are compared with Mama's figurines. Mm. But the silence has been broken and left us with the sharp pieces, but the figurines, um, CeCe's being careful that there's no dangerous pieces left lying somewhere. There's this semantic connection, semantic meaning to do with meaning, between the figurines that are smashed and the silence that's smashed, which obviously, this is another easy point why you should revise motifs. Yeah. The figurines, which have previously been a symbol, <laughs> representing...
1: Representing Mama's abuse, which yeah. she goes and polishes them and cleans Precisely. them every time. And the cycle
0: of the abuse, the, this, yeah. kind of this never-ending cycle. That them being broken is the cycle itself has been broken. It's something that's revolutionarily changed. Also, I mean,
1: another reading of the figurines, as well as that, you know, the, the obvious one about... The, you know, mamma's routine and way of coping is that they represent ballet dancers, don't they? And there's mm-hmm. that kind of cultural um, thing of you know, kind of European art forms being seen as superior, and that's what's being kind of polished and put on the etagere. But that's
0: a slightly aside point. No, it is, it is a nice point the idea that actually, what's what's really kind of it's Iphioma's vision of privileging Nigerian culture, Nigerian history, yes. even if it is Christian, yeah.
1: which Amaka kind of takes up and feels even more strongly.
0: Is it, yes, yeah, a slight, a slight cultural hybridity of Amaka, anyway? Um, let's not get distracted, the final paragraph, so let's look at yes. Kambili, uh, what's your um, or Kambili um, uh, what is your topic sentence
1: so the topic sentence for that is um, that the final paragraph shifts the perspective to Kambili's feelings about the changed behaviour of Mama and Jaja. Um, and obviously I say this to all my classes because don't, I don't know if you find, not everyone always does it, I think whatever extract you get, you do need to say something about Adich's use of the first person narrative mm. Um, and it feels to me that even though obviously the whole thing is a first-person narrative, it's in this third paragraph that the focus really um, is now on um, Camberley's thoughts and feelings about this new um, thing that seems to be happening inside
0: her well it's, a, well, it's a really easy, the phrase unreliable narrator is useful to be worked into your essay yeah. somewhere. It's a, it's a first-person narrative, whether or not that's in reference to... Creepy father (laughs) Amadi earlier on in the novel, or whether it's here, but just the sense of being aware of the this being a story told through a specific lens, absolutely, and And, that's
1: really important.
0: And I think this, yeah, the point you raised here on the sheet that that um, her claim that sometimes I wanted it all to be a dream, this desire actually for a past which we've seen is actually quite violent and horrible. You know that she and her family have been victims of a horrible, violent abuse. At the hands of her father, and yet there's a nostalgia for that very. I think that thing. is
1: the thing that happens, isn't it? That people, you know, you know, she does love her father, even though he is deeply flawed, deeply violent, and you know, she she she's not really yet in a position to completely let go of that, despite you know all the terrible things that have happened in, in the novel. And I think you know there's a bit about you picked up on about she wants it all to be a dream, like she almost doesn't want it to have happened. But also she says it was too new, too foreign.
0: Foreign Jeez. is a very interesting metaphor. Yeah, I think so. So what does that imply, like, foreign? So how could you unpick this metaphor in an exam?
1: I mean, I think you could link it to the satellite dish at the beginning, the alien. the alien thing, because I think, again, that's a kind of symbol, isn't it, for the fact that something new has come into the household. That but, isn't, actually but, new at all. But it isn't actually new at all. That isn't actually new at all. That Jaja is embracing, and even Mama seems to be embracing, but Kamali can't quite, um, although she does at the end of the novel, But but at this stage, she's still kind of very tentative about how she feels about it. I I suppose one
0: way of looking at them here is actually how, in a way, Adichie breaks down responses to trauma and abuse into almost three diverging pathways. There's Jar Jar's um, defiance, explicit defiance in the face of his father's authority. There's Mama's... um, Secret defiance yeah. through poisoning, and there's can be confusion yeah. that, that we always have some uh, Adichie exploring responses to trauma, particularly yeah. kind of trauma associated with family members. Absolutely,
1: if you remember, if you remember the bit in chapter three. Um, which is the first time that we have evidence of Papa's violence, and she does that counting thing. Mm. So she has all these kind of strategies and sort of dissociates herself. The horrible bit with the boiling water on the feet as well, it's almost as though she, you know, her mind mm. kind of goes somewhere else, which is, a, which is a natural response
0: to trauma. It
1: almost feels a little bit like that's happening here.
0: I think the um, interesting metaphor of the air is brittle is interesting. Yeah. Brittle is something that's, that's so hard it can shatter at any well, minute. which also links
1: to... Point you were making about the figurines and the silence. Yeah, there's this
0: semantic, yeah. sh- again, she says that again the missile flung at the Etagere, the shattered figurines, the brittle air. It's in a tricolon here with three of them are mentioned together that again creates this connection between the air and the, the, this air that could break at any minute. Yeah,
1: even though- in a way, it sort of has broken. I think that's the strange thing: is that you know they spend their whole lives kind of on tenterhooks, wondering what's going to happen next. And actually, there's a bit later on about Papa's footsteps, which earlier in the novel tend to herald something bad that's about to happen. Whereas he is just going up to try and get Jaja to open his door. Um, but it's almost as though she can't quite believe that she doesn't have to tiptoe around and it does she's described as tiptoeing isn't it almost as though she's kind of trying not to Mm. dislodge anything whereas if you think about the violent imagery in the first paragraph it's like that's all kind of happened.
0: I guess the kind of point you could really make here just to kind of finish off really is that this is then juxtaposed with something that she does seem to be recognising. this increased awareness of you know in Papa's idolisation of um, Mama's father Yeah. The squat superhero, who, of course, was chosen by um, the colonial powers because he had pale skin. That's why they liked him.
1: absolutely. And he's the sort of, you know... He's he's Papa's poster
0: boy, really, isn't he? Yeah, he spoke English and had pale skin, and therefore... to the racist colonisers yeah. represented something that didn't threaten them.
1: And it's another thing Aditya does quite a lot in the novel is having those foils or those sort of doubles you know, you've know, you got Father Benedict, Father Ahmadi you've got Papa Nuku, and you've got Grandfather. And a lovely didn't way of writing that in an essay
0: would be to have a subordinate clause saying you know, throughout the novel there are various yes. or, or just as throughout the novel I there are various doubles, absolutely. here we see um, a, a Papa a, a, the Grandfather as a as an echo a, yeah. like a distortion of the I think Inuku. that
1: subordinate clause thing would be very useful because what you don't want is to go off and write a separate paragraph on no. that because then you're, you're moving away from what you're actually trying to do But if
0: you say just as here we see this here we see yeah. this other thing
1: I mean also I think towards the end of the passage the focus is very much on you know how Papa has both lost his authority within the household but also how the impact of the poisoning is physically weakening him and you can see it in the you know the rashes on his face and the fact that he can't open um, Zha Zha's door as well
0: well I think that's probably everything so conclusion is it? Um, the conclusion this is the answer is yes <laughs> it's a turning point <laughs> yes, it is a turning point but so I think how but question you, question what you question? might want to acknowledge though is that this is a turning point though which has been established in the opening chapter yeah. now you can use the words non-linear narrative yeah. because of the non-linear narrative structure this is a turning point but it also isn't because we've been told about this turning point from the very first words we start words with the turning point the don't we
1: and then we come
0: back to it. So whilst, chrono- whilst chronologically this is the turning point in Cambly's lives, in terms of the, the narrative structure of the novel, actually we could conclude this isn't actually the turning point. This is a, the carrying on from a, a change that's already yes. taken place. I mean, you could
1: argue in some ways that in terms of Cambly's development it's the final chapter of the turning point because that's the one where she seems to be in control and positive and optimistic and looking to the future in a way that Zsa Zsa and um, could no longer do. So. And,
0: and, and if you do want to complicate the question at all, don't do take the first <laughs> paragraph. But the conclusion is the place to do it if you've got yeah. any final twist in the tale you can keep it and say well is it even a turning point at all you know you could finish with something along but those
1: I, lines I do think that's why this extract is such a nice one as well because there's just lots of nuts
0: and bolts kind of passage analysis um, that and you there's can do so many well. mo- and so my final thought really is just motifs that like hopefully you saw that an extract that didn't seem to contain yeah. many screaming motifs we touched upon silence yeah. we touched upon flowers we touched upon figurines yeah. we touched upon weather and these are things you can revise yeah and have flashcards ready I, I and go th- in looking for absolutely. it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I think everybody needs to have reread the novel before they go into the exam. The audiobook's um, great. Or listen it. to the audiobook, and that's fine. But I think in, I think in terms of, of this, and particularly if you're considering doing the passage-based question, which I think is probably the right one for, for most of you, yeah, if you have a really good understanding of the motifs and the key themes... It's just making sure that you can respond to the ones that turn up. I mean, because there wasn't that much in this one about um, colonialism, for example, maybe a tiny bit with um, grandfather, but it might be a really important one, or, you know, the politics of Nigeria, which don't really come up in this one. So it's just like being clear about that. Um, Great. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Bye.